My name is Jenna and I'm here to help you do all the hard things. I'm a licensed professional counselor with nearly 10 years of clinical and research experience working with people who have some of the most debilitating OCD and anxiety in the world. I'm also a mom, a personal trainer, and a lover of modern spirituality. My goal is to bring you all the research, guidance, and encouragement you need to help you remember and know how strong you truly are. Now let's get to it. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Oh my gosh, you guys. I'm back. <laughs> uh, yeah, so this title of my podcast episode was one that I never wanted to write. <laughs> Parenting with COVID. It was awful. Just long story short, it was the worst two weeks of my life. And I, I, I think a week and a half ago, I actually tried when I was in the trenches to write and record this podcast. And it actually didn't record at all. So I had done it and I think it was like 20-ish minutes. I go back to replay it and there was just nothing. And I think I bawled. (laughs) It was like the worst ending to an already crappy day. But we're here now and I'm pretty sure we're going. So I'm here to talk about parenting while you have COVID. So I want to go over my experience with COVID. Um, I will go over kind of the timeline. I'm coming out of it now. So this week I was cleared to re-enter society. Um, I actually went back to work today. I could have gone back um, a couple days ago myself, but my son was out of school. Um, so as far as, you know, being contagious and all of that, I'm in the clear. I still am struggling, though, for a couple of reasons that I'll get into in this episode. So in my experience of having COVID, I was in mid-misery, just trying to find resources for myself, you know, other women, other parents who kind of had the angle that I was searching for, and I couldn't really find much. So in my true Jenna form, I figured I would just kind of make my own. Um, not only to process it all for myself, but so that the next woman or the next parent out there who finds themselves in this situation and otherwise wouldn't have this resource, I want to be able to provide it. So I want to be able to give you that information about COVID. I want to be able to talk about COVID from the angle of parenting while you have COVID, because I don't think that that's something that is talked about nearly enough. Um, And I just want to go over the struggles, you know, physically and emotionally and mentally that I went through so that any other mom or parent out there listening who needs that solidarity can have it by the end of the episode. So this episode is going to be for anybody who's curious about COVID in general, but mostly for parents. 
um, because they talk to you about COVID. They talk to you about all the difficulties and how it affects people in different ways. Like I said, I never really heard or saw anything about what it's like to parent while you have COVID. So we're going to get into it today. And as I said, I'm still not feeling 100% myself. So I feel like even now my voice is weary and I'm short of breath. But that kind of just goes with the territory of COVID. So I definitely was not one of those asymptomatic cases. I really, really struggled and continue to have my struggles. Um, And a lot of my struggles came from having to be the default parent in this situation. So I am the default parent in my little unit. Um, It's me and my husband and my now almost three-year-old toddler. And as involved as my husband is and as hands-on as he is, and as much as we try to split things and both put in 100%, I end up being the default and the preferred parent. So when I use those terms, you know, preferred parent is pretty self-explanatory. I'm the preferred person when it comes to things like changing his t-shirt or changing his diaper or whatever. I'm the preferred person. I'm the person you know, when it comes down to me versus my husband, my son would nine times out of 10 prefer that I be there with him or do something with him. I'm just the preferred parent. Um, When I say default parent, I usually mean it's usually the preferred parent, but the default parent is just the person who, you know, naturally kind of consumes the majority of the childcare. Um, And a lot of times it is the mom or the maternal figure, but not always. So in this unit, where kind of we're at right now as a family and just our climate and the timeline of where Eli is and, and how our family unit works right now, I am the preferred parent. And I would say that I'm also the default parent. So parenting while I had COVID as the preferred and default parent was my hell on earth. And it was really frustrating because you know, before all of this happened to my family, you know, we hear things like rest as much as you can, isolate, isolate, isolate. If you have COVID or if you have symptoms, you need to isolate, 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 quarantine from the rest of your family. And that might not be very easy to do (laughs) in reality or even possible. So let's just start first things first with kind of how this all started for me. So It started almost two weeks ago when I started to realize that I was showing symptoms and it started really kind of subtly. I think it was just a sore throat, Um, but it was game over once I went to go and drink my tea in the morning and I had no sense of smell. Um, Then I remember I kind of like rapidly went around the whole entire kitchen and I started smelling all the ridiculous things in my fridge and I started smelling the trash and all the spices in my spice cabinet and I couldn't smell anything. It was the most bizarre experience, but I knew right then and there it was game over and I was pretty sure that I had COVID. Um, It's hard to say for sure where I got it from, but I do work in a residential unit. Um, I'm a healthcare worker and I'm frontline staff, so pretty possible that I got it from there. But also have gotten it from the grocery store or from my child's day. I mean, it's just impossible to kind of go back and identify where I got it from. But so I went and I got tested. 
the test was not nearly as difficult as I thought that it was. So another just reliever out there for some of you, if you are anything like me and you are fearful of getting the test or hesitant to get the test, it was nowhere near as difficult as I thought that it would be. It wasn't as uncomfortable as people said that they thought that it was. Um, I know everyone can have a, you know, everything is relative, but it wasn't that bad for me. For me, what it felt like was when you're young and you jump into the pool and you get some chlorine up your nose. That's kind of all that it felt like for me. Um, so at that point, you know, I had already been, you know, once I got my positive test, I was trying in between to isolate from my husband and from my son as much as possible. Luckily, we have a basement that's pretty livable, a couch, a a TV, um, a bathroom, a bedroom, and upstairs is obviously fully functional. And and we did try to isolate, you know, the two of them upstairs and me downstairs. Although at that point, I was probably already contagious for the, you know, two or three days before that. We're very close. (laughs) We're always together. So at that point, it was kind of a moot point, we thought, but I still wanted to attempt at least to know um, and see how that would go. And it was miserable Um, the whole entire time upstairs, you know, not even being able to say goodbye to him or anything. I just kind of like isolated myself as immediately as I could downstairs. It just was clear from the get go that that wasn't going to be a system that worked Um, the way that our house works to go downstairs. You know, obviously we have we have baby gates and all that. Eli is at the point now where he could easily climb over those if he needed to, or he knows how to unlock them by now by himself. So if he's not being monitored, I mean, if he wasn't being monitored the entire time, he was trying to get downstairs. Um, and it was just relentless, him crying upstairs, the dogs barking. You could hear, I could hear all of the chaos upstairs. And there just came a time where everything was chaotic. You know, Eli was crying, the dogs were barking, my husband, you could just like sense the tension in the air. And and there was just this panic moment where we said, screw it. Let's just quarantine together. You know, the justification of how we had already probably been, you know, contagious for the past couple of days. And it was probably a moot point at that point. So we just kind of just said, screw it. And as much as that wasn't an easy decision for us. Push came to shove and that was just the way that we decided to handle it. Um, Might have been different if it was my husband on the other end. If my husband was the one who started to experience symptoms and he was downstairs. I don't know if, (laughs) if it would have needed to be that, you know, let's quarantine together type of situation, at, at least as immediately as that was. Because again, Eli comes to me first for everything. Eli prefers to be around me. Um, Not that he doesn't also love his dad, but I'm his lighthouse. And that's just how our little family unit works. And so that was the situation from that point. At that point, we were just, you know, in the waiting game together. I obviously got back my results and it was positive. So at that point, it was pretty clear that we would all at that point have it um, if we did not already. So I did not choose to, we didn't get, um, my husband or my son tested. Um, 
it was at that point that we kind of decided just to write it out together. My husband never showed any symptoms at all. You would have never, ever known that anything was wrong. We all took our temperatures every single day. He never even had a spike in his temperature. My toddler had one day of a fever and that was it. No other indication whatsoever as far as his mood or his energy or any symptoms whatsoever. Me, on the other hand, it was awful. <laughs> so, <clears throat> I mean, physically, the first couple of days were pretty terrible. It seemed to not be so, so bad. And then in the middle, it was relentless. It was difficult to breathe. I was having a hard time sleeping at night between sweating through every crevice that I had and also being freezing at the same time. It was really, really difficult. I had no energy. I was sleeping 15 to 16 hours a day. And so the whole time though, I was parenting. I was continuing to do the majority of the childcare because my husband is an outpatient therapist and he had to continue seeing clients virtually. As an outpatient therapist, if he doesn't work, he doesn't get paid. So that would have been a huge financial hit that we were not able or willing to sacrifice. And so it came down to my husband continuing to work and continuing to see people from about 8 a.m. every day until 6 or 6.30 at night, every single day, Monday through Friday. And the childcare was 100% on me. And so that was, like I said, my hell on earth. It was the most difficult thing physically, mentally, and emotionally that I've ever, ever, ever been through. So before we talk about in particular why I think COVID was so rough on me mentally, I'm going to give you some context here for some of the reason why this whole parenting thing in particular was really, really rough. So I, about a year and a half ago, in September-ish of 2019, started going to therapy for this exact reason. So postpartum anxiety hit me really hard, and it was all around, all of my anxiety centered around being alone with my toddler, specifically while my husband was at work and while I was stuck at home. And normally we aren't stuck at home, but I'm talking, I was really, really struggling, you know, at the time I was really having a hard time with like the two to three hours of time in between when I would come home from work and have Eli all to myself. And then when my husband would get home. So especially with COVID, right? We obviously couldn't leave the house for much. We could have gone through walks around the neighborhood, but I barely had the energy for it. I didn't really have the kind of lung capacity for it. It just felt like way too much. Um, so I couldn't have even really taken him out to the playground, obviously, because I didn't want us being around anybody or touching anything. So, you know, I struggled with that last year a lot, too. So, you know, when I had Eli for two or three hours here and there in between jobs, um, it's not like I could really take Eli anywhere because, you know, going to the playground, it would have been dark eventually or I had to cook or do something else. So it was just this like two or three hour period of time that I always struggled with, like, we're stuck in the house and I don't really know what to do with you. Um, so I would always do better with Eli on a full day with him, like on a Saturday or a Sunday, because we could actually then go do something more structured together. 
We could go to the zoo. We could go and have a fun day together and be actually doing things. But my anxiety and all of my nasty, nasty mom guilt was terrified of nothing more than being stuck alone with my toddler, especially for those like two or three hours where we couldn't really leave the house or do anything, you know, outside of the home. So these small periods of time being alone, stuck with my toddler all by myself, it terrified me. And I don't really know what the core fear is. It rattled me for the first year and a half of Eli's life. And I spent the last year and a half trying to figure out kind of what, you know, the root is of that issue. And it's not worth it for me to try to figure it out anymore. I instead just try to focus on what I need to do about it and reducing any safety behaviors around that fear. So then I got COVID. (laughs) Um, You know, I, I did therapy. It went really, really well. And then I got COVID. So I specifically remember back when I was in therapy, you know, rating this scenario, me being home, sick with a toddler and being homebound as like a 10 out of 10 experience for me as far as anxiety provoking situations go. Because one, I'm alone with my toddler. Two, I'm sick and I'm not able to perform at my best. I'm not as patient. I don't have as high energy to be able to keep up with him. And three, not being able to leave the house. So needless to say, this whole past two weeks have been super, super challenging for me physically, emotionally, and mentally. So yeah, so for the past two weeks, I have been responsible for Eli while I was the sickest that I've ever, ever been. And when I went to therapy, I was doing way better at coping with these small periods of time with Eli. Like I said, weekends weren't as much of an issue because I would take Eli to the zoo or we would have the structured playtime together where we would actually physically go and do things and pass the time. These two weeks were awful because I was completely on my own. I had no energy. I, you know, couldn't leave the house at all. Big fear of mine. I was on my own with Eli. Big fear of mine. And I was sick, which is another big fear of mine. So... It was my worst case scenario all wrapped into one. So thank God Eli and Tate didn't show any symptoms. Literally, that was the silver lining or at least one silver lining. So I this was so much of an anxiety provoking situation for me because even even on Sunday when I was like awaiting the test and all of that, I remember having such high anticipatory anxiety, like if I'm positive and this is how the next two weeks play out, this is this is going to be terrifying for me. I was already kind of like mentally getting myself in the zone and preparing myself because I knew that it would be really, really legitimately my version of hell. So yeah. <clears throat> so, you know, it brought me back this whole past two weeks have really brought me back to my struggles in 2019, when I couldn't handle not being able to handle these small, you know, spurts of time anymore. I was getting angry with my husband for not being home. I was angry at myself for not being able to handle this stuff. I was angry at Eli for being unpredictable sometimes after daycare. I was anxious all the time, you know, bringing as far as like bringing me back to those horrible, horrible 
moments, you know, uh, almost a year and a half ago ish, I remember being so anxious that I would shake during dinner prep or like meal prep. I remember one day I couldn't even cut an onion because my my hands were shaking so hard. And if a loud noise happens, like my dog barking or something like that, then I would literally jump out of my skin. I was just so on edge. I was waiting for the next shoe to drop, for the next tantrum, for the next meltdown, for the next negative mom emotion that I would feel that would kind of set off this cascade of other negative mom emotions. And then wrapped up in all of that came in this guilt and this imposter syndrome feeling of feeling like a horrible therapist. (laughs) Like, because I'm an anxiety therapist, I should know better. I have all these mom friends who are doing motherhood better than me. So why can't I just get it together? And I I had a lot of thoughts back then of like, I only have one kiddo. So what's my problem? I have a supportive husband and Eli's not even that. He's not a horrible child. So I don't know what my deal is. Why do I have to have such a hard time with this? And that was just my loop for the first year and a half of Eli's life. All day, all night, literally until I heard the garage door open and my husband was home. So that was me. That was my experience in therapy. Like I said, I went to therapy and it was an incredible life-changing experience. The whole experience wasn't was amazing. My therapist was warm and validating and non-judgmental. She brought attention to a lot of the things that I was doing that I did not even realize were problematic. So for instance, I realized I was going to, I, I was starting to kind of avoid going to get Eli from daycare or avoid coming home. I realized I would take kind of just like one more second or one more quick peek at my phone in the car before I went to go and pick him up. I realized I would try in advance to kind of structure our time together or plan something fun so that I wouldn't have to have this downtime or this quiet time where my mind would get the best of me. I would ask my husband when he was done working and when he would be home. I would check the clock repeatedly to see how much longer I had until he got home. And when he was a little bit late, I would call him or text him and see where he was because it just seemed like time moved so slowly and I wanted him to be home so I could get off the hook. And it just all felt so incredibly daunting. And being around other moms was really, really hard for me back then because I continued to compare myself to them. I saw other moms playing at the playground with their kids and it made me feel awful because I wondered if their life at home was as much of a hell as mine, but it seemed like they were having such a great time. All of this is to say, I had a really, really hard time being alone with my child, especially when I couldn't leave the house. I went to therapy. I made a lot of awesome progress. I had to do a lot of my own behavioral work. I had to work really hard and really diligently on a lot of my negative, you know, mom emotions and my thought processes that nagged at me. And I came a long way in the past year. In the past year, I've spent even more downtime and more alone time with my son. I no longer ask my husband when he's going to be home. Literally in in an entire year, I have not asked my husband when he's home or when he's going to be home because it's not good for me. It's been a really awesome year. And like I said, in planning for my exposures while I was in therapy, 
I remember looking at my therapist and telling her kind of what the things would be that would be really, really difficult for me. It would be things like going for a long drive. You know, I had a lot of anxiety around if he started fussing and crying, what would I do? How would I handle it by myself? Blah, blah, blah. You know, one of the things at the kind of top of my hierarchy, so to say, was being stuck alone with him and not being able to leave the house for an entire day. I never imagined back then, you know, obviously this is super prior to COVID, that this would happen and that this would kind of transpire. Not to mention that I would be stuck in my home for two weeks, essentially, without my husband there, except at the very beginning and the very end of the day. So yeah, so this is truly my worst fear. I mean, it was my worst fear. And trust me, I know so many other moms out there who do it alone. I know single moms who do it by themselves. I know single moms with multiple children who do it by themselves. I know stay-at-home moms who this is their every day. Like, this is just what they do. And trust me, I get it. That's part of the guilt and the shame that I have and have always had when it comes to my anxiety around this. So I get it. I don't know why it's so hard for me. I, I, I would like to say I don't know why it used to be so hard for me, um, but COVID brought a lot of that stuff back up. So I was thrown into my worst nightmare and I'm out of it now. Like I said, today was kind of our, our first day as a family, quote unquote, back into normalcy. And now that it's over, I cannot believe that it's over. It's kind of a weird feeling. Um, you know, my, my, my son went back to be with my mom today so that she could see him and watch him. It was nice to know that he's safe, um, and to get a little bit of a break. So I think I realized too, now that I'm kind of processing everything and, you know, I'm over the hump, I'm over the hill, so to say. I think I have realized at least one other reason why this was so, so difficult for me, which was on one end, I was thrown into a super anxiety provoking situation where I was giving, giving, giving myself. And on the other hand, I wasn't able to fill up my cup at all. So not only was I with my child constantly and not able to leave the house, I normally have a ton of things that I do for myself on a regular basis that fill me up. And that also allow me to return to my child to be a better mom, like working out, listening to my podcasts in the way, you know, to work or to the gym or whatever in the car, I get my nails done. It's just little things here and there that were a huge part of my routine that for the past two weeks I didn't get to do because I was sick. And so I was really screwed and kind of screwing myself from both ends. I was giving, giving, giving in this hugely demanding, both physically and mentally, you know, demanding situation. And I wasn't able to take as good of care of myself and fill myself back up. Even the things that I could have done in my home, like meditate or reading or putting in a podcast while I did other household things or whatever, I honestly was feeling so down that I wanted to do nothing but just get through the next minute, just get through the next hour. And I noticed, especially the second week, that I was not doing so well. 
And I noticed that a lot of the old behaviors and a lot of the old kind of temptations that I had from last September started to come back again. So I started to ask my husband again when he would be done working. That led me to ask, you know, not just what time he's done working, but if he had any breaks at all in the day. I started to compare myself a lot to other moms again, which I stopped doing there for a really long time. I would see a mom with two or more kids outside walking and I would compare myself to her. Like, why is she able to have two or two kids or three kids? And I'm in here struggling with just one. I would see a mom playing in the backyard with her kid and seem like she was having such a great time. And for the past two weeks, I would get down on myself about how I felt like I was forcing so much and I still couldn't really enjoy anything. And these were all signs now that I'm out of it that I was not in a good place. And now that I'm out of it, it's all really insidious and it's easier to kind of look back and, you know, pinpoint what went wrong and kind of where I started to downslide a little bit and where I, you know, in hindsight, I wish I would have held off on not giving into certain behaviors and, you know, just tried to stick it out a little bit more. So I wish it would have went a lot better for me. And I told my husband just last night, it feels like I lost a lot of my therapy progress. He was awesome. And he encouraged me to consider that I was thrown in an impossible situation that no one really prepares for or can prepare for. It was super anxiety provoking for me. And I just did the best that I could. So that was really nice to hear. but I'm still having a hard time kind of accepting that, you know, that I was thrown in an impossible situation that, you know, was really anxiety provoking for me and I did the best that I could. So I tell you all of this to tell you the kind of depths that the past two weeks, you know, the kind of the past two weeks have been so that if by chance you are also out there as a parent or if you're in it too, I just need you to know that I'm with you. And I need you to know and for me to know that there's nothing wrong with us. Like my husband said, we are and we have been thrown in this impossible situation that is super anxiety provoking and we're just doing the absolute best that we can. I'm so excited to share with you guys a planner that I've had for months now. And now I have an absolutely incredible offer so that you can enjoy it with me. I've tried yearly planners, blank diaries, and everything in between, all the way from back when I was in high school. Silk and Sonder is the perfect planner that I've been waiting for for years. Silk and Sonder is a self-care monthly planner and journal subscription service, including monthly, weekly, and daily planning pages, plus activities that change each month and are targeted to help with your self-care. You'll get coloring pages, recipes, habit trackers, journaling prompts, and more. Silk and Sonder offers monthly, quarterly, annual, and gift subscriptions. It's the first ever monthly planning experience aimed to empower you to live the life that you've always wanted. Inspired by a new theme each month, they hand curate, design, and deliver each issue straight to your doorstep. You'll love each month's blend of productivity and planning, introspection and mindfulness, and lifestyle content. I've been using mine for months and I'll honestly never go back to a regular planner ever again. 
For 25% off your order, head to my website at jennaoverbaugh.com and click on deals. This is also to say that therapists aren't immune to these issues. So even therapists who kind of specialize in this stuff, right? And know, like me, anxiety. I know anxiety forwards and backwards. We aren't immune to it. And it's a very human experience. So what I can say has been helpful is now that I'm out of it, it's really been helpful for me to kind of take a bird's eye view of my behavior to be able to see, you know, in the replay of everything, kind of how my behaviors started to get out of control. So, you know, in the moment, it was really hard for me because I was just on, I was in fight or flight mode. My anxiety was really, really high. But looking back now, I see how my behaviors started to go downhill once I asked my husband the first time, you know, when has he done that day? That made me feel temporarily a little bit better. But the next day, I relied on that again. And I continued to ask him when he was done. And the next day, I continued to ask him when it was done. And then it wasn't just me asking, like I said, when he was done for the day, it turned into, well, do you have any breaks today? And like I said, it can be insidious and they can start to kind of generalize these rituals and these safety behaviors into bigger and bigger things. And that's how everything snowballs. So, you know, I would just encourage you, you know, whether you're struggling with more anxiety or more obsessive compulsive disorder or really anything that kind of fits into this mold as you see it, try to take that bird's eye view of your behavior. Ideally, when you're in the, when you're in it, right, before it becomes a problem, before it becomes a crisis, try to just take it one action at a time and try to know that even though this thing might feel really good for you to do right now, it might feel like this is the only thing that you can do right now, you know, try not to live for the next five minutes. Try to live for the next five days. Try to live for the next five weeks or the next five months or five years. So in those moments when I just was relying on my safety behaviors, I was living for the next five minutes. I just wanted my anxiety to be dealt with. I wanted to feel better right then and there. But in the long term, even, you know, long term, meaning like the very next day, it did me no favors. It did nobody any favors. So my advice would be taking that bird's eye view of your behavior, trying to evaluate, is this something that I really want to do for my long term benefit? Uh, Am I living for the next five minutes or am I living for the next five years? I would also encourage just taking it literally one day at a time. I hate that mindset because it feels like such survival mode. But if you're especially the default or preferred parent and you have COVID, you literally, you have permission to just take it one day at a time. Like you, you're not supposed to excel right now. Nobody is. We're in a pandemic. We have a lot of stress going on. We're parents. We're not supposed to excel right now. We need to just be okay taking it one step at a time, one day at a time. So another thing that I told myself often that I feel like could be helpful for people is knowing this too shall pass. (laughs) So I told myself this multiple times every single day, just again, knowing, you know, this isn't going to be this way forever. This isn't going to be this way forever. You know, if I take good care of myself, everything is going to get a little bit better every single day and it's not going to be this way forever. 
I also just tried to keep my eye on the prize. So I tried to remember, you know, after this huge exposure of the past two weeks, I'm not going to be so caught up anymore in the future by these little one or two hours here and there when my husband and I do have that lapse in time where we're home. So those little one or two hours now are going to feel like no big deal because I had this huge exposure under my belt, right? Like I had this huge exposure. If I can handle two weeks of this, I can handle an hour or two. So the good news is when you do these really, really hard, really long and difficult exposures, they suck in the moment, but they can have this kind of umbrella effect over these other smaller challenges down the line. And for that, I'm grateful because hopefully, you know, these little one or two hour bursts here and there, if and when they happen in our future, hopefully that's a different experience for me moving forward. I'm also just really, really trying to be compassionate with myself Um, because not being compassionate doesn't do me any favors. It doesn't do my family any favors. It doesn't solve any problems. So it doesn't do anything except serve to continue to avoid and, you know, make me arbitrarily and artificially think that I'm solving a problem, but I'm I'm not solving any problems. That's not how we solve problems by, you know, being ridiculous to ourselves and ruthless to ourselves. So I know now that I need a break and it's okay to take a break. I know that once I take a break from my stressors. And once I allow myself to kind of miss my family a little bit, I will return to the parenting game better and more filled up. And I know now, you know, how important it is, especially to be making sure that I'm filling up my cup. I can't wait until I'm in crisis mode to be doing that. Um, And I know that's obviously one thing to preach. And the past two weeks, I've totally not done that at all. Um, but definitely not waiting until crisis mode to take care of yourself because taking care of ourselves is something that we have to make a daily practice and it should be priority above everything else because when we don't take care of ourselves first, we're going into all these other you know, situations where we're needed or all these other relationships where we're needed and we have nothing to give and we can't give and give and give when we have nothing in our tanks. So. With all that said, if you're in the thick of it now, I feel you. I feel you so hard, and I wish no one had to go through that. Parenting is general in general is no easy task. And parenting while you have COVID is, as I've said numerous times, the most challenging thing that I've ever done. Um, also a reminder, anxiety does not discriminate. So especially even us therapists sometimes, right? Like we're not protected from it. And I'm not proud of the fact that I gave into a lot of old safety behaviors from last year, like letting comparisons get the best of me and asking my husband what time he's going to be done. But I am sharing these difficult, you know, decisions that I gave into because I want to be real about the fact that sometimes it's hard as hell to resist these things. And when all you want to do in the moment is to just feel better and feel better you know, it's, it's really difficult in those moments to kind of be on your A game all the time. So even me, even someone who has been to therapy and and knows her, you know, her issues inside and out and has a really good grip on it. I let them get the best of me this weekend and I was not on my A game. So it's going to take some time to repair from that and to kind of 
you know, be a little bit more vigilant of my urges, make sure that I'm kind of keeping myself accountable to those things. And like I said, living for the next five years, not for the next five minutes. So for now, what I'm going to do is refocus. I'm going to ask myself what I need for myself right now. Um, And I'm going to try to prioritize taking care of myself before anybody else because I need to do that in order to continue to give my best to my family. So, you know, right now that's compassion. That's making time intentionally for myself, not just hoping that I get a spare five minutes here and trying to make the best of it, but intentionally carving out that time and re-implementing some of my old routines like working out every day and meditating. That's where I'm at. So. With all of that said, I hope that you stay safe. I hope you stay healthy. I hope some of the tips here have served you. Um, Whether you're just in the parenting thick of it, whether you're in the COVID parenting thick of it, whatever it is, stay compassionate with yourselves. Keep taking good care of yourselves. Keep doing all the hard things. And especially now now more than ever, you guys, I am right there with you. I will catch you with the next episode. Bye, guys. For more information and resources, head to my website at www.jennaoverbaugh.com. From there, you can sign up for my email newsletter so you can make sure that you are the most up-to-date about upcoming resources, podcast episodes, blogs, challenges, and more. Also, check me out on Instagram at jenna.overbaugh and tune into some other episodes here while you're at it. As always, if you have a free minute, it would mean the world to me if you could please subscribe and rate this podcast. Subscriptions and ratings help me keep the podcast going and help me spread the word to other people who need these resources and they otherwise may not get them. With that said, thank you guys so much for tuning in. I really love creating these episodes for you. And until next time, keep doing all the hard things.